Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. I love working with startups. I, I love talking with startup founders, and I know that you do too. That's why you listen to the podcast, and I thank you for that. When the traditional media focuses on startups, they tend to look at the crazy founders making outrageous claims, or the newly minted billionaires, CEOs, and investors. That's all good fun, of course. But when we look a little deeper, startups tell us something else. Looking at what startups get started, and what startups get funded, and what startups get traction. That tells us a lot about the kinds of problems that we, as a country, think are worth solving. What problems are important enough to attract time and money and customers changes a lot from country to country, and it reveals a lot about the social priorities of the cultures that these startups operate in. And it's not always a pleasant revelation. Japan has always had a、mm, complex relationship with her foreign residents.、E、even today, there's a widespread intellectual acknowledgement that Japan needs to increase and encourage immigration. But transforming that goal into actual policy and to real social acceptance, well, that's harder. Today, We sit down with Nao Sugihara of MTIC, and we're going to dive deep into this. Nao runs a recruiting platform called Gaijin Bank, and while there are lots of job sites catering to foreign engineers and creatives, Gaijin Bank deals exclusively with blue collar labor. Foreigners working blue collar jobs in Japan is actually an incredibly important aspect of the Japanese economy. And one that is largely ignored, not only by the Japanese press, but even by the foreigners living in Japan. And you know, I have to admit, things are different, and in some ways much more encouraging than I expected. But you know, Nao tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Nao Sugihara of. MTIC, which is Make Tokyo an International City. Yes. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you.、Uh, thank you for like have an opportunity. This I'm happy to talk today. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to have you on. And I, I usually don't interview founders of companies for like recruiting companies, but what what you're doing is really different. Thank you. You know, there's. I don't know how many hundreds of different job sites for engineers and designers in Japan, but you've got a unique focus.、Mm, yes, our service name is, is Gaijin Bank, and we are especially for blue collar type of work. We focus on only foreigner in Japan. The job market for foreigners and blue collar jobs is something that a lot of people don't know outside Japan.、Mm. So. Tell me a bit about your customers on the employer side.、Mm. What kind of blue-collar jobs are being filled by foreigners in Japan?、Um, for example, hotel,、uh, front desk, and cleaning, or、uh, manufacturing and construction, 
and the logistics and the caregiver. That seems quite a range of responsibilities. So something like factory work yes. wouldn't require a great deal of Japanese skills, but someone working at the front desk of a hotel or, or being a caregiver, I imagine that would require some pretty high level of Japanese ability. Yes. So where are these jobs? Are they in Tokyo? Are they in the countryside? Are they all over Japan? Uh, of course, like many demand came from around Tokyo. And we do like a Tokyo, Chiba, Kanagawa mainly. But, but actually, countryside has a more demand. So we do sometimes Fukushima, Tohoku, and Ehime in Shikoku, and、uh, can be like Osaka, Nagoya. And are these permanent jobs? Are they temporary jobs?、Uh, we do both, a temporary dispatching position, and also sometimes we introduce directly to employer permanent. Now, in a minute, I want to dive deep into kind of the social impact that all this is having.、Mm-hmm. But、um, looking at it from the employee side,、mm-hmm. who are taking these jobs? We have many candidates, more than I think nationality wise, 100 countries, but mainly Asian countries people. Half of our candidate is a resident visa holder, such as permanent. Sports visa,、uh, long term visa. 30% student, and 10 to 20% is a、uh, like、working visa, like international humanity visa. Okay. So, my understanding was that, for example, it's almost impossible to get a permanent residency visa working at a factory. Oh, yeah. So, do they have permanent residency because of family members or for some other reason? Yes. Some of them like, get married with Japanese people or got married with a permanent、uh, residence visa holder. And then they become like a spouse and then stay here maybe five to ten years. They become permanent resident. So when, when the employers contact you, are they looking for foreign staff specifically or are they just looking for anyone to fill these positions? And they can't find Japanese, so foreigners are okay too. Yes. They don't care nationality. In most of the cases, they cannot find Japanese、uh, workers.、Okay. And then they kind of adjust. But I imagine for, for Japanese, particularly in these blue collar and very traditional industries, that's a big adjustment. Do you guys help kind of bridge that communication gap? In many cases,、uh, there was a miscommunication. For example, a contract or like some direction in the workplace. It's kind of very difficult to communicate in Japanese or English, especially e m p l o y e r cannot speak English, most of the case. So、uh, they call us and then we communicate in the English or their mother tongue. Okay, so you, there are times you're actually providing a, an interpretation service so、mm-hmm. that they, they can give instructions to the employees. Yes. We send like a very bilingual staff in the work location, and then they directly bridge Japanese and English or mother tongue. So I imagine in a lot of cases, this is the employer's first experience really working with foreign staff.、Mm-hmm. What are some of the differences between the, the expectation and reality? Just because the work culture in Japan is so different <laughs>、yes. than it is in other places. So,、yes. what kind of surprises or expectations are different? 
The foreigner has, uh, of course, like uh, have a different culture. For example, some staff after two weeks start working, like they ask us, like, uh, can I have a break, like one month? I have to go back to country. And wow, and then this not happens for Japanese employees, I think. So we try to make sure if you have break plan, please let me know first. That's interesting.、Mm. And also, like,、uh, work time, as you can imagine, Japanese people are accepting、uh, about overwork, but some foreign staff, you know, don't like. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that's quite a surprise to a lot of foreign workers. We have to educate both sides. Employees, you know, sometimes you, know, you have to accept overwork. And、yeah. then we educate also employers. If you have, let us know in advance and then we inform. When, when the foreign workers are objecting to the overtime, are they usually objecting because of、uh, payment or because of time and they had other plans? Both. Sometimes they have a plan, so they just want to go home. Regarding payment, actually in Blue Color, they manage very well. Normally, employer pay all over overwork.、Okay. Mm. So it's really more just a matter of scheduling and, and、yes. having control of your own time. Yes. That makes sense.、Mm. Looking at Japan as a whole、mm. and how society is changing this way, your business of, of placing Blue collar, or let's just say non technical、yes. foreign staff,、mm. it seems like a really growth industry in Japan. Yes. Just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago,、mm. the government announced the new guest worker visa program for 2019,、mm. and they're targeting 40,000 foreign workers、yes. in Japan for next year. And, and they announced they're hoping for 250,000 by the fifth year.、Mm. Do you think those numbers are reasonable? Do you think we're going to see that many, that many foreign workers coming into Japan? Yes, that's why I start this business. As you know, Japanese population shrink. In the 2060, population is going to be like half. So we need workers. Yeah, actually, some company expects foreigner worker population is going to be 12 million in the 2055. So, they're expecting it to make up 10 to 20% of the population. Yes. yes.、Um, now, over the last 20 years, the debate in Japan over foreign workers has been going back and forth between it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. A lot of Japanese are concerned about, well, the same thing people are concerned about immigration everywhere in the world.、Mm. That the foreigners coming into Japan won't be able to integrate into Japanese society.、Mm. How do you think that can be overcome?、Uh, firstly, Japanese society already understands we need foreigners, especially service and、uh, manufacturing. I, I think so. I mean, I think that people know it intellectually,、mm. they know it in their head,、yes. but they haven't accepted it with their hearts.、Mm. And that's much harder. Yes, like a Japanese people, it's difficult to accept foreigners in the past. However, like from 2011, like we have many foreign travelers. We saw like many foreigners, like naturally, and then we are step by step getting used to being with foreigners. And then I think recently,、uh, they much better to accept foreigners. 
I think that. so. The, the change from when I first came here in 1988 to, wow, almost, that was almost 30 years ago when I oh. first came here. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. So that the change over those, those 30 years is absolutely amazing. 30 years ago, foreigners, even in Tokyo, were sort of <laughs> exotic creatures. Um, yeah, yes, they may be, yeah, <laughs> looking at you. Yeah, so that, it's not like that anymore. So I think Japan has gone through this phase where they become more accepting of like kind of the idea of foreigners in Japan. And I think you're right, over the last five to ten years, Japan has become very accepting of the idea of foreign tourists coming to Japan. Yes. But tourism is easy. Tourism is people come, they leave their money, mm-hmm. they go home. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like Japan is still having a really serious debate about foreigners living in Japan, especially 10 to 20% of the population being foreigners in Japan. Even in the best case, it's not like a smooth, simple yes. process, yes. right? Uh, actually, in Japan, around Nagoya, like 20 years ago, we accept many foreigners from Latin America, Brazil, Peru, or like a Japanese second generation. And what happened is uh, we accept many foreigners, but many of foreigners around Nagoya, they don't have any like a good education for Japanese. And then uh, there is a gap, like a Japanese and foreigner community. Mm. And also wage was not so high. So some foreigner became uh, like a gang. So like now, like we and also I think Japanese government think Japanese language system is needed. Recently, many foreigners go to Japanese language school, but it's very expensive. If they go like five days a week, they have to pay like 80,000 yen. So we need more cheap, more convenient, maybe e-learning. Are either the national government or the local governments, are they, are they investing in those kind of programs? Yes, uh, Japanese government has a budget for next year, especially, I think, e-learning. Okay. Well, that, that is encouraging because Japanese is a hard language. For me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been here over 25 years and I'm still studying. So what is the situation now in, in Nagoya? Like you say, 20 years ago was yeah. when they started this program and mm-hmm. they, they ran into a problem with foreigners kind of isolating themselves into their mm-hmm. own communities and not integrating. How has Nagoya tried to fix that? I think it's a time passed and then they have family and then they're more stable. Nowadays, Nagoya is one of the, the highest wage location. So like a Toyota or other car company pays a lot for salary. So yeah, I think uh, they have like a better life. Okay. This is encouraging because I remember 10 years ago or so, the Japanese descent Brazilians who came to Japan and settled in Nagoya and the, the crime rates and the problems were, were a big deal in the press and people were we're pointing to that saying, look, we can't bring in a lot of foreigners. But today, is this viewed as kind of a success? Yes, yes. The last five years, I don't think many press didn't announce about uh, crime rate is higher. Yeah, so far, like Japan has a success to accept foreign workers. Huh. So how many workers came in on, on that program? About a Juyoman or something? About 140,000 people. I think so. Okay. So it's a similar 
number of people. So hopefully they can use that as a model to make things go more smoothly. Mm. So for the different guest worker programs over the past 20 years, mm. where Japan has been trying to bring in like non-technical workers, mm. it's been split into two types of visas. Some are the very short-term, mm. you know, one to three-year visas. And then it's expected the worker would go home. And most Japanese people are very supportive of that. And then there's the other, which are, are much longer visas with the idea that the worker could stay in Japan and, and settle here. And that's been much more hotly debated mm. in Japan. Yes. So this new program, is it focused more on the short-term visa or the long-term? Long-term. So far, like we accept many trainees. Like I'd say at max, they can stay here for five years. But actually, industry demand to government. We need more longer because we educate staff, but uh, they go home after three years or five years. And then this new visa uh, will happen. At max, they can stay here like 10 years. And then with a higher scale. And then they can be permanent residency. And, I mean, if they're staying for five years or ten years, that's plenty of time for them to develop higher skills and to improve their Japanese ability and mm. eventually bring their, their family over as well. Yes. There is two types of visa. One is a beginner. Second is a more expert. For beginner visa, they can stay at max five years. And then if they complete five-year work or if they can pass the examination... They can be like a higher skill visa. And then with a higher skill visa, they can bring a family from country to here. And then at max, they can stay 10 years, which means they can be permanent residence holder. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a great plan both for Japanese industry and Japanese society if they can learn from past examples and make integration smoother. But in the past... Japan has tried similar programs, and it's had a really hard time with it. So, for example, there's been several attempts in the past to solve the nursing shortage mm -hmm. by bringing in foreign nurses. Mm. And that never seems to work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, actually, NAS examination is very difficult for foreigners, especially this is national examination, and the only Japanese is available. So, like... Chinese or Taiwanese and Korean can pass the examination. But uh, other than those countries, it's very tough. That makes sense. I mean, they're working in a Japanese hospital, so mm. you, you need to be able to read everything in Japanese. Mm. So it was really just that particular job, the Japanese language requirements were too high? Too high. But actually, Chinese or Taiwanese pass the examination a lot. For this country, this program works. Because at least they can, they can read the kanji and yes. <laughs> don't have to study that part. Yes. You think this program will be more successful because the language requirements aren't nearly as high? Yes. Okay. Mm. Most of the startup founders that come on the show tend to be technology-focused. Mm. And from my point of view, it seems like the real success stories in bringing foreign workers into Japan have been in uh, foreign engineering talent, Mm. There's been a lot of successes there. Um, and that's about, or, or maybe foreign startup founders. It's a big enough community here. Mm. But 
I can't think of too many other successes on an industry-wide basis. But what I mean is, for example, is there an industry saying, well, in logistics, now 20% of the staff are foreign or in... in I think uh, caregiver. Caregivers. Yes. Caregiver industry is very hard. For example, we send many Filipina ladies to caregiver industry. I, I think naturally they are very kind and gentle. Actually, we have like feedback. Filipino caregivers sometimes are better than Japanese、uh, caregivers. That's interesting because I would have figured that, that caregiving would have had some of the highest Japanese language requirements for all the jobs. Depends.、Yeah. It depends. So it's more just kind of a, a personality warmth、mm. than communication? Yes. And then also, like, elderly people don't speak a lot. <laughs> so, actually, some part, the job requires Japanese high level, but most of the part, they don't require high level of Japanese. You know, and I, I recently read that in Tokyo, at all the convenience stores,、mm. 30% of the convenience stores have foreigners working on the night shift、mm. in Tokyo. Yes. And that, that's a huge amount of the labor force. Yes. Like for foreigner, night shift is a 25% increase wage. So actually, they want to work in night. So, what's the future of this program? I mean, moving from a year one target of 40,000 workers to a year six target of 500,000 workers. Yes. That's a big, fast ramp up.、Mm. Do you think that can happen? That happens actually can be bigger than that. Really? Yes. We need people, and then population decrease pace is getting faster. That'd be great if it can happen smoothly and, and as planned.、Mm. Well, listen now, before we wrap up,、mm. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that is if I gave you a magic wand、mm. and I told you that you could change one thing、mm. about Japan,、mm-hmm. anything at all. The legal system, the way people think about risk, the education system,、mm-hmm. anything at all to make things better for startups and innovation in Japan. What would you change? So, mentally, being more accepting, acceptable. So, more, more accepting of, of what?、Uh, for example, foreigner and for example, for risk. I was thinking about why Japanese people don't. I mean, recently Japanese people start up more, but、uh, compared with maybe America or Israel, much less.、Uh, I think if they do, and then if they have a fail, they think they cannot come back to、uh, society as before. So most of people like, hesitate. I mean, it used to be very much true. If you started a company and you failed, I mean, it. It wasn't like your life was over, but pretty close to it. You, you had to carry those debts, and it was a really shameful thing. And now I think that the, the economic reality is different.、Mm. You can get investors. And, and、yes. So if the economic reality has changed, what, why hasn't the social reality changed too? Look at my friends. Still, I was a banker. Only one or two people started up around me. So, I think they still think about、uh, it's a startup is 
too risky. They are scared about risk. So what are what do you think they're risking? Are they worried about risking their reputation? Are they worried about risking money? Ah,、uh, money, and also if they fail, they cannot come back to salaryman with、uh, like the same level of company. Ah, I think. So it's very much a career risk. Yes,、mm-hmm. and also sometimes they have family already, and the wife stop them. I hear that a lot. That 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 is. <laughs> We call wife stop. <laughs> yeah, that that is one of the biggest challenges to starting a company in Japan. Yeah, normally they don't push. We、well, actually, you went to、uh, both Keio and Hitotsubashi. Yes. And and both of those schools are known for traditionally generating a lot of entrepreneurs. Oh yes, yes, yes. Especially Keio. Yes. Yeah.、Mm. Do you think that's true? Even your friends from Keio are very risk averse and. Ah,、uh, compared with other university, I think Keio University students more entrepreneurial. But ah,、uh, still、uh, regarding number, it's still too small. You know. It, it, There are two concepts you talked about: risk aversion and accepting new things.、Hmm. And most people think those are are very different. But actually, are are you saying that they're actually related to each other? Yes, because if, for example, big company, if they accept the kind of people, like、uh, some people, like、uh, have motivation to start up, and then they fail and they want to come back to like a big farm. If big company accepts a kind of people, actually very motivated, but normally they don't accept with the same pace of career. So if the big company attitudes change, I think number of entrepreneur will increase. That's why I think acceptance is very important. Huh? We've been seeing a lot more startup founders. In the last five or ten years, and part of that I think is just because the risk is going down.、Mm. But do you think people are really becoming more accepting in Japan? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, if I have a success, I would like to spread out that kind of idea. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, listen now. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Timson. And we're back. You know, it's funny. Largely due to Donald Trump, America's immigration issues have become international news. But the immigration debate in Japan is every bit as complicated as what's happening in the U.S. But of course, the debate is much more polite in Japan. It's clear now is optimistic about the future of foreign workers in Japan. I mean, he's betting his whole company on it. But students of Japanese history and long-time Japan residents are probably understandably skeptical. We've been hearing about the importance of foreign workers in Japan for decades, but Japan has always been very fickle in this regard. For example. Sharp has been carefully negotiating and messaging its Japanese staff reduction for a few years, but last month, when they announced that three thousand foreign workers were being let go mid-contract, well, the attention barely lasted a single news cycle. But I don't know. Perhaps it's my overly optimistic nature, but I think 
I really do think it's different this time, at, at least in a few important ways. One of the most interesting things now pointed out was that the industry was lobbying the government to grant foreign workers long-term visas with rights to bring their families and a path to permanent residence. They're not looking for disposable, low-skill, short-term employees. Japanese industry now wants skilled people that they can train for the long haul. And that's good. But more important, things are already changing. The legal age of adulthood in Japan is 20 years old. And this year, 13% of all new adults in Tokyo were non-Japanese. In fact, in Shinjuku, 46% of all new adults were non-Japanese. So yeah, this is new. This is good. I, I think this is good. But in any event, it's different. It's a change. And as you, as a regular listener of Disrupting Japan, as you know, when Japan changes, Japan changes very quickly. If you want to talk about working in Japan as a foreigner, now and I would love to hear from you. So come by Disrupting Japan slash show 135 and let us know what you think. And if you get a chance, please check out our Facebook or even our LinkedIn group. If you ask a question there, I guarantee you I'll reply. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.